Jesus is the only way to have peace with God. Though there is only one way to God, everyone's journey to Jesus is unique and magnificent. Here is a story of one's journey to Christ, now on Redemption Report. Welcome to Redemption Report. Today I have a friend of mine that I've known for several years. He's part of an online church community group that we meet together with on a weekly basis, and so we've got to know each other a lot during that time. But another one of the episodes that I'm recording in Colorado while out visiting family, and today I have my friend Phil Samuel. So Phil, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you, Timmy. Yeah. So you and I met Several years ago, um, you signed up to be a part of a, a Flatirons online group um, meeting that I lead from online from Kentucky, and uh, you've joined from Colorado here. And so it, people from all over the country have been able to get together, and so that's how we, we first met. But um, I'm interested, I've heard a little bit of your story from time to time, but I'm interested to learn more about how you came to Christ uh, today and everything around that. Um, my understanding is you didn't grow up in the U.S., so could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what the what your background is? Sure. Uh, I was born in India in the state of Kerala, which is south and west uh, of the country. Um, so a little bit background about that state is that you will see influence of Christianity dating back to first century. So it is believed that uh, one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, came to Kerala and then other parts of India. And uh, so that's the tradition. In fact, there is a a group of church called St. Thomas Church, and that tradition still exists. So that's the background of a little bit about that state and in the broader context of India, that's where I was born. And you'll notice uh, my name has Christian or Greek or Hebrew names hidden in it. And that's the connection to Christianity and its origins in that state. Yeah, I know you and I have talked before and uh, you've told the story or told of different examples. where People are like, oh, you're from India. What's your real name? It's (laughs) Phil Samuel. No, no, what's your real name? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My real name is Philip Samuel. (laughs) Yeah. So that sounds like where you grew up was a very unique place in India, where a lot of um, places in India have, um, you know, believe other religions, you know, and it's, I believe, one of the um, highest or lowest population of of Christians per capita or something along those lines. It's a lot of uh, people don't know Christ over there, but it sounds like in your community, there was a lot of people that did know Christ. Yeah, if you take a look at India as a whole, um, I don't know the latest numbers, but it's more like 85% of the people will identify themselves with Hinduism. Uh, a lot of them are not practicing Hinduist, Hindus, but that's how they associate. And then single-digit percent for Islam, and then very small percentage, uh, low single-digit, if, if at all, would be the Christians overall. But there are few states where there is a uniqueness of Christianity. Uh, Kerala is an influential Christian state. Well, I shouldn't say Christian states. Christianity exists, and and that community is very influential in that state. There are a couple of other northeastern states where you will see 
very high percentage of Christians, like over 90%. Uh, places like Meghalaya, Nagaland, uh, all of those places are examples. Are you familiar with the song, I've Decided to Follow Yes, Christ? yeah. Comes from that region. Yeah, very so powerful story associated with that. Tribal area. Yeah. So we have a different culture, but it's one of those states that has Christian influence. So I was born into a family of Christians. My parents, grandparents, both mothers and dad's side has the Christian heritage. I grew up among lots of Christians. But at the same time, we are also surrounded by the influence of Hinduism and Islam. Uh, those would be the three dominant religion I grew up with. And you will see temple, mosques, your neighbor is, is a, either a Christian or a Hindu or a, you know, Islamic faith. Mm-hmm. So that's how, where I grew up. Gotcha. And then did you grow up as a single child or you have any siblings that grew so, up with you? So uh, my parents have four kids. Um, oldest is, a, is their daughter, then three boys, and I'm the youngest. Okay. So I grew up in a family that was probably considered... Uh, you know, church planters and and has a leadership role in the church, helping to grow the church and discipleship. So I was grown and born into such a family where it's frequently we had church meetings at home every week, several times. And we went to church maybe several times a week. So that's my upbringing. And it's one of those meetings that maybe when I was seven years old or eight years old, that um, I stood up and accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Gotcha. How much I understood in terms of implications of it is questionable. But I put my trust in Jesus, saying sure, that this sure. is the God. I, my parents follow. This is the God my siblings follow. So I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. That journey continued until... Uh, I was in eighth grade, and my biology teacher uh, showed me about the new theories of evolution. So she went outside of what was in the textbook and talked about uh, origins of universe and origins of life. And so that created lots of doubts and questions. This is the first time my faith was questioned. So we had discussions, and she basically asserted that all religions are mythology, including hers, Hinduism, and mine. There is nothing more to it, hmm. uh, but it's a good social construct. Is is what she thought. But the real real deal is that, you know, things just the chemicals came together and first hmm. life was formed, and then, you know, the species were originated. So when I faced that crisis. Um, I didn't have an answer, and nobody at my home could explain enough to cast my doubts. But I carried that through the next you know, four or five years until I went to uh, university and then met uh, Christian student groups um, in India called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And there I had the opportunity to read, hear, perspective beyond the, my small community that there are, the, the, the explanation provided by my teacher was uh, false, if not questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's an example of our explanation of how I started my faith in a, and went through four or five years of questioning but not abandoning my faith and then coming back to my faith uh, during my university education. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad you shared that. I think backing up to when you grew up, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I either did or didn't go to church. You know, even on the times you didn't go to church, sounds like church came to you or a meeting in your home, so you're unable to escape from it. Um, going back to when you talked about hearing about evolution, coming up with questions you had, didn't have answers to or your family didn't have answers to, what did that, what did that look like? Were you... Were you doubting the existence of God, or were you just doubting, uh, like, what, what exactly were you doubting, or how did, how did that journey look at that time? So, all of the above. So, the question was, I understood from Bible that God revealed himself to us in two ways. One is through nature, it's written in Romans, and the other one is a special revelation God gave to us through the Bible. So the problem with both of them is that by itself, the science doesn't talk to us. It is a scientist who takes the science and interprets it. Same way, God's word by itself is not revealing, but it's the people who reads it uh, can explain and understand. So in my brain, these two things shouldn't be contradicting. So the worldview that my teacher explained with the help of theory of evolution, Darwinian theory at that time, wasn't quite compatible, at least her explanation wasn't compatible with what I know of, how it is described in Genesis. God created the world and God created the species. That wasn't compatible. So so my question I struggled was, can I intellectually uh, uh, reconcile these concepts? Or is it just, do I just blindly trust God and say that's correct, or the other one is just a you know, human idea? Mm-hmm. So those are my struggles. So today I look back, I believe that we are all made as a bio-psycho-socio-spiritual beings. So all of those four elements are valid in today, even in my belief, and it's it's modern medicine and psychology use that construct, and it's very much compatible with the Bible. The bio part, we have a body and uh, all its molecules and hormones and everything that comes with the psycho part, we have an intellectual brain and we have an emotional brain. And then our health is also related to socio, that is how we work with the communities, the family dynamics. And then we have a spiritual being. So going back to my, my struggle is it, how do I reconcile this intellectually that the God who revealed himself through nature and what is in the Christian Bible, are they the same? Mm-hmm. It also caused me to look at other options. Uh, what about if there is no God? The atheist option, agnostic option, what about the rest of the religion? I grew up with Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, uh, Zoroastrianism, all of those, and then Islam, and a uh, little bit Judaism, but not much. Yeah. So I asked uh, questions. If if there is a God, which one is it? Mm-hmm. So those were my struggles and questions sharpened through my 
university days. Gotcha. Okay. So was there, you know, um, a point in time afterwards that you were able to kind of confirm or uh, maybe baptism was a part of it, but, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, you believed what you knew mm-hmm. at seven years old, and, yep. you know, that's all that God asks of us is to come as a child. You know, we don't have to have it all figured out and understand all the different parts of our being like you were talking about or understand everything about salvation that has been revealed to us, but just come as a child. And so that it's beautiful that you were able to do it at that point. But after going through and wrestling with all these things, was there a time where you kind of solidified or, you know, just kind of made that commitment to say, you know what, I, I'm no longer, you know, I'm never going to understand everything, of course, but I'm no longer like wrestling with this or I, I now know Christ is, is who, who my God is. My last two years of equivalent of uh, high school here, where I grew up, it's called pre-university. It's not attached to a high school, it's attached to a university, and it's called pre-university. That's where everything started to shift for me. I realized that there are alternative explanations for the evolutionary explanation for life that I did not know before. I have realized that there are scientists and intellectuals uh, believing in um, the, the, the truth, truths in Bible. Mm-hmm. That's when I started to lean, oh, okay, this is what I was missing. It's in my last year of high school, equivalent to high school pre-university, that I rededicated my life and said, God, I want to know you more. I want to understand your truth. Help me figure this out. And that's when I was baptized. Uh, so that was a second phase of my Christian life. And then that journey continued answering, asking questions. And many of this I still continue asking. Yeah. Uh, what is science revealing versus uh, what the Bible says? And yeah. every now and then I still run into things I don't understand or apparent contradiction, and often that gets sort, sorted out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that word rededication, you know, often gets thrown around in Christian circles, but can you just explain what, what that means, like what you, what you did or what your thought was at the end of high school? Sure. Uh, so remember eighth grade, I, you know, I was chugging along as a Christian. I thought it, this is the only answer, and then eighth grade I got challenged. And then from my eighth grade towards my end of high school, I am just in a sort of a limbo I know this is the right God. I have experienced it. I can see my family around it putting their trust in this same Jesus. Um, But I don't have answers to these questions. But then when I began to understand that there are explanations and alternative explanations and intellectuals following Jesus, then that relieved me Mm -hmm. and increased my faith and trust in God and made me closer to God. So that's what I meant by rededication. Then I understood the truths behind uh, getting baptized. What does that mean? The public declaration of your faith. So it's entering a, a strong, into a stronger relationship with Jesus, and you're making a bold public statement that uh, you are following Jesus. I don't have all the answers, no. but that was, a, that was a change. Sure. No, yeah. that's great. Yeah. What... um. What do you think, uh, how, how did you think that affected your life moving forward um, once you kind of 
solidified that belief at the end of high school. Obviously, you knew which questions to ask or where to go find those answers. You started learning that once you hit university. But how do you feel your life changed as a result of believing in Christ? It, it caused me to spend more time uh, in God's Word. So I started reading Bible using tools like concordances and commentaries and mm. There were plenty of them in my home, uh, and using guides and creating a, a, a cadence, a schedule every day, of course, sometimes I miss, to read the Bible, understand it, ask questions, um, and spending more time praying, meeting in student groups. That also, and now I have a peer group of Christians where we can discuss these questions and also talk about life's challenges. So that's the journey of increasing faith. Uh, I think that started at that age. Um, it has prepared me for I'm t what I am today. Uh, most of my Bible knowledge dates back to those days, sure. uh, you know, post high school or around high school onwards. Uh, that keeps me, my faith in, in God intact mm -hmm. uh, in times of Troubles, sorrows, temptations, uh, those has been very helpful. Yeah, yeah, it has to continue to grow. It yeah. doesn't just, you know, you believe and then all of a sudden, you know, amazing faith is granted to you. It, it has to be developed and, and exercised. Was a lot of that learning that you talk about that you say you can point back to what you have now from that time period, was that a lot of self-study or was that a lot through a church or some of those university groups or how did you... Um, get a lot of that information. Yeah, a lot of the spiritual understanding of the Bible, um, understanding Old Testament, New Testament, all of that came, a lot of it came from churches and reading books, reading, studying Bible with commentary, concordances, etc. But the answer to my intellectual questions and theology, a lot of that came from my university student group. So we had students and we, in, we had camps. We invite guests to come talk. We had professors at the university themselves participating, guiding. So we have group discussions. And those were probably what was most useful for me to reconcile my understanding of the Bible with uh, what goes on in the world mm. and competing philosophies by reading Bible I cannot tell why is Jesus claim that he is the only way to to God and say what is wrong with my friends who are Hindus or um, Buddhists or Jain following Jainism all of that came from my peer group uh, in, at the universities I studied yeah that, that sounds amazing you know yeah. a lot of times you know, people go to college and they have a lot of negative influence that they get apart, but it sounds like God allowed you to surround yourself with people asking good questions and wrestling through things and giving you resources to go and study and find truth as opposed to floundering or, you know, being surrounded by a friend group that would lead you astray. So praise God for his providence in that. Yeah. So I said since I was growing, grow, I grew up in Kerala, it's not the same scenario rest of the India. So I also hear, study here about the stories of uh, missionaries and 
and students and Christians tortured or, mm-hmm. or abused or uh, put down in other parts of India. So those were all stories that you relate to, you pray for them, you understand them, uh, and you see other Christians suffering or struggling. It helped you increase your faith um, and uh, makes, grow, ma- makes you grow uh, as a Christian. Yeah. After university or, you know, as, as you've grown, you know, I say this in every episode, but, you know, living as a Christian, you know, following Christ, you know, with your life and, you know, being his child isn't necessarily just a, a bed of roses. It's not all simple and easy. Um, what, what have you found to be um, one of the most challenging aspects of following Christ in, in your own life? So I have pursued lots of education. I have, you know, been to graduate school, PhDs, couple of master's degree. So I hung around uh, the so-called intellectuals in the universities. So there is this perception out there in the secular university type academic environment, if you are smart, you shouldn't be believing in, in God. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be following what is in the Bible. Do you still believe this old book that's from 2,000 years ago? That has challenged my faith to address questions and think carefully. So on one hand, that has kept me awake, that has kept me um, asking questions, what do I need to read, study? So that's I don't know if that's a struggle, but it's a it's a journey. Mm-hmm. I had to be constantly uh, on to explore, understand. From another perspective, uh, the struggles are things that you face in life. Whether it is, uh, you know, I lost my brother, oldest brother, to cancer when he was 53 or 55. Mm. So those kind of incidents, and you see people suffering and in pain, you know, how do you explain when they say, then I ask questions about, you know, where is God in the middle of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have theological or partly uh, explana- part explanations, uh, but we don't have all the answers. So those are areas I've struggled to understand. Um, for growing in my faith is the trials and tribulations and changes. So I left India, then I came to Canada to go to continue my school, and eventually I moved to U.S. So all these times, you know, various things come across in life, uh, and my faith has kept me closer to God mm-hmm. um, and uh, kept me in my faith. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a lot of education that you've been able to um, attain and, and be able to pursue. And I know sometimes in group, you'll throw out something and like, wow, that, that's incredible to think about and things that you've learned. And one day we spent like 20, 30 minutes just talking about, you know, um, how fire starts. And then to come to find out you have a doctorate in, in, uh, what was it again? The in combustion, combustion in, yeah, uh, so. you know, energy transformation. Yeah, he just held back all this information. We're all talking about it. And then he, he starts saying stuff, and they're like, really smart stuff. I'm like, wow, he does know a lot. But um, I, I imagine that being in a, uh, you know, kind of a, a life of learning and, and getting a lot of education could, could potentially be a challenge when things don't make sense in life or when God doesn't make sense. Because with education, generally, 
there's an answer out there where we can pursue, we can figure out. And, you know, they don't give degrees generally for things that people don't know. They give degrees for, you know, learning what is out there. But with faith, I'm sure that that would be a big challenge to your point to, you know, kind of have to balance that. Am I, is that accurate or is that? What I'm finding is that the faith, the Christian faith actually has provided major input to our education system. Mm. So if you look at the early universities, you know, Cambridge, Oxford, you know, Princeton, many of them, and you look at how we teach science, or I only have science background, so I don't know how to explain the education system in arts and other sciences. Most of it came from the influence of Christian philosophers and theologians. You know, we create, we read something, and say the explanation is we create a hypothesis, and then we say, do we have evidence to accept or reject that hypothesis? It's today the the major scientific method. Uh, The early days of universities were extension to seminaries or or Christian institutions. So there is a strong connection between the advancement of science and Christianity. In fact, I would say the explosion of science that happened in the early 1900, most of the, many of the famous scientists were Christians. And they're thinking that we live in a world that has order, that has a logic behind it, It comes from the influence of Christian thinking. Otherwise, today we know that our world is explainable or run by mathematics. Mm -hmm. Well, that only explains, that explains much easier knowing that there is a God who is intelligent with Mm -hmm. a mind Mm -hmm. behind it. So I find that actually the more of the science we do today, especially last 50 years, makes you closer to God. I'll give you another example. Uh, until early 1900s, the scientists in general believed that the world had no beginning. It existed forever and it will continue to exist. And you look at other holy scriptures, uh, none of them gave you the same view as Bible. Bible Genesis first verse says, in the beginning, meaning there was a beginning, contrary to what scientists and science scientists believed. In the beginning, God created the universe. Bible stood alone. And so if you were a scientist those days or before, you will say, you know, it doesn't make sense. According to the science, the world existed forever. Uh, then you fast forward, early 1900s, Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. So if you used his equation, it looks like the, the, the universe is expanding. If it's expanding, it had a beginning. But he didn't believe in it, so he actually modified the equation and created a fudge factor to make it look like it's just forever. Fast forward, we have Hubble telescope. We send Hubble telescope out there, and we looked into the distant planets. And then we see that the lights coming from very distant planets that we thought were stars or now galaxies, it's emitting lights, and what we see is the red shift, meaning it happens to objects moving away from you, far away. The light spectrum splits, and you see more of the red, which has the highest, higher wavelengths. Well, that says the globe is, the, the universe is expanding. 
there were several more discoveries. In fact, they invited Albert Einstein to come and look at through the telescope in uh, California. He looked at it and said, I made my biggest blunder in my career with my equation. The original equation as predicted is correct. So that, that's an example science validated eventually what was in the Bible. That is, there was a beginning. Today, the scientists believe all kinds of additional research and experiments and uh, theory that says in the beginning, time was zero, space was zero. Well, but science can't explain all the entire universe. How did it start at time equal to zero and space equal to zero? But the Bible stood alone. So mm-hmm. this is a lesson for all of us that it's the scientists who interpret it. It's the, it's the preachers and the Christians who interpret what is in the Bible. And if our understanding is wrong, we could be wrong. But nothing has changed from God's perspective. He revealed himself in nature. He revealed himself through scriptures. Uh, so that, that has been a big lesson for me, that our understanding of both sides can change. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you going down that road and sharing because I think so often— people look at science and say, well, that's, you have the Bible and you have science. They don't intersect. Um, But like you said, to look at science through the lens of God's word and to say, you know what, this, this can make sense. And it does make sense because it is from an intelligent, intelligent creator who not just made the world, but cares and loves each and everyone very intimately. So that's beautiful. Yeah, but our Christian belief, faith, stands in contrast to other religions in that sense. This is the only faith where we have a not only intelligent God, a compassionate, a kind God, who enters into our lives and walks with us and then says, you put your trust in me, I guarantee your ending. No other faith guarantees that ending. They all say, do lots of good works and lots of bad. We'll just, we'll just do the balancing and see where you land. Uh, it's unique. Um, you're talking about the intelligent mind. Uh, we ask the question, what is the longest word in any language? It's in our body. It's in our cell. 3.6 billion characters written that has the full information to build the cells in our body. It's organized with four letters, A, C, T, G. These four letters are reorganized to encoded language. So where can you find complex, intelligent information that is long without a mind behind it? Yeah. Again, science cannot answer wh- who, where did that come from. Uh, by shaking a bunch of letters together, it doesn't assemble to create a complex, intelligent information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is the kinds of stuff we continuously learn, and God's Word is unchanging. And uh, God's revelation in nature is also there. It stuff can be figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is incredible. I rem- you, you told me about that not too long ago, and it was just mind-blowing just to see how powerful God is and how intimately he knows each and every person to design him you you mentioned the longest word out there is 3.6 billion billion. or 3.4 billion um characters long i'm guessing you don't have that memorized or know how to spell that (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> it took us so much effort to decode the DNA. I don't know if you're old enough to know. It took us several years, and we are still doing it. Wow. But we know enough, with enough computing power and enough scientists working, we have figured out it, and people got Nobel Prize for it. In fact, the one of them who won the Nobel Prize for the DNA uh, discovery and coding is a Christian. Wow. He wow. actually, when he goes to meetings, he stands, put a picture of the, the DNA, the spine with the helical, helical uh, picture, and the picture of a, a, a very a, a fine art of, of made of glass. He's basically saying that fine art glass with the picture, you know there is a mind behind it. Right. So is this. He doesn't talk too much. He'll just sit down and s sing with his guitar. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, that, that's all really fascinating. Again, thank you for, for sharing. And I know that's that pursuit of knowledge and marrying that up with how um, powerful God is, I'm sure, has made that relationship with God so much more precious and, uh, and valuable to you. What, um, if you. If you look across your life since knowing Christ, what are some of, like, what would you say is the biggest joy that you've experienced in knowing Christ or being that you've decided to follow Christ? What's some of the joy that's accompanied that? Some of the joys of life is, uh, is experiencing God in times of difficulties. Um, I've experienced physical joy when uh, uh, my son was born. Uh, I have experienced God's goodness in marriage, you know, with love. Uh, I've seen miracles happen to people, you know, people's lives changes, people who resisted, didn't believe in God, uh, come to faith. And back in India, I've also seen or heard firsthand instances of miraculous intervention of God. So it's it's all of these together. When I put it together, I say God is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, God is wonderful. Um, yeah. No, I think sometimes those those instances like having a child be born or have someone get healed or, you know, a life changed, if, uh, if not look through the lens of, of God's intentional love in, involved in that situation can often be just say, oh, well, that that's just a good thing or, you know, that's just random. And, but when you do know Christ as your Savior and you do have that relationship with God, it just gives you so much more joy, like you said, when those things happen and you're like, oh, he's communicating with me right now, or I, I can see how he's working as opposed to just a bunch of randomness all over the place. Yeah, God is not a philosophical construct or what my teacher said, a mythological concept. The God of Christian faith is the real one who came into the history, showed up uh, as, a, as a human and uh, made all kinds of claims. And then he said he will die and come back alive in three days. So that's a significant event that bolsters my faith. Mm -hmm. How many people who make all these claims, heal the sick and all that stuff is done, and then made the claim that he is the only way, and then he dies and then he shows up three days later. So one of my search was trying to find, is this Jesus, did, did he really rise up from the dead? Mm. What evidences do exist? So that was one of the questions I 
followed. So you put all of these puzzles together and you see transformed lives. I've seen hardcore Hindus becoming Christians, mm. hardcore Muslims becoming Christians, and, and willing to give their life for that Jesus and accept persecution. Uh, if you lived you know, other certain parts of India, even today, Arunachal Pradesh, severe persecution goes on and Christians stand up. Mm -hmm. Why do they give up their life or watching their family torn apart or children getting killed? Why do they do that for their faith? Uh, it's because of such a strong conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that definitely is evidence of a, of a changed heart. Um, as, we, as we wrap things up here, if, if someone is listening to the, the episode of Redemption Report marked Phil Samuel, what would be one takeaway you'd like someone listening to, to know or to hear from you um, after listening to your story? Each of us are different. Our needs are different. Somebody in sadness, pain, depression, they don't need all that intellectual path I followed to see, you know, where did the life originate? Was the, you know, did Jesus really rise up from the dead? For them that they need the presence of God and seek the God's presence. So he's available to you emotionally. He's available to you through social circles in that sense. There are a bunch of others who want intellectual answers to know that, how do I know Hinduism and Islam and any other faith or atheism, how do you know which one is correct? Is it possible all are wrong? Or is it one correct? Mm -hmm. You can go that route. All of that is available, and uh, that same God has revealed himself to us through Jesus in the form of a human. So even to say that God is unknowable is also not true. Test the hypothesis that there is somebody who said, you can know me. So my takeaway is that depending on your need, you need healing, you need emotional bonding, you need psychological help, or do you need intellectual understanding of God? At the end, you need all of them. Mm -hmm. But where are you in your journey today? Uh, God's available in any one of these facets, and mm -hmm. or all of these facets. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for joining, and I, I really like what you summed up there at the very end. Just uh, God speak to us, speaks to us in a variety of ways. It's not like well, God only speaks in one way, and if you miss it, then, you know, or if it doesn't connect with you, he's, you know, if he's speaking at a super high level, no one can understand, or only a few people, or he speaks such an emotional thing that, you know, more analytical thinkers can't connect with, but he speaks to us in a variety of ways. Now, to believe in him, there's obviously only one way to God, and that's through Jesus, but in order to communicate, he uses a variety of means and um, uh, manners, so I, I really appreciate you pointing to that. Um, through your story today and thank you for for joining us and and sharing how you came to know christ as well thank you timmy today's episode reminds me of second timothy 2 15 where it instructs us to study or be diligent to present yourself to god as an approved worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly teaching the word of truth not only has phil studied science and gained an understanding of the world around him but his biblical knowledge has been foundational to his learning, which has provided a context to every field of study he has embarked on. When we establish truth as the baseline and framework for our understanding, everything else we learn about the world and ourselves has so much more meaning and beauty attached to it. 
Phil's journey of knowledge has greatly impacted how he sees God and subsequently has motivated him to be a more devoted believer. I am certainly appreciative that Phil Samuel used his story to shed light on the magnificence of Christ, and I hope that his story encourages you to be on the lookout for God in every area of your life. Episode 9 comes out next week, which features my friend Chris Reeves as he shares the circumstances surrounding how Christ redeemed him. Make sure you're subscribed or following this podcast. Leave a like and comment so others can find this content more easily. As always, you can find more content or reach out to me directly at twareproductions.com. See you next time on Redemption Report. Redemption Report.